this, by the way, is not an object lesson. <clears throat> it's just that when I do that, it um, helps eliminate some of the struggles that I'm having this morning. So, <laughs> in case you're curious, now you know. All right. Well, good morning. It's nice to be here with you this morning. You know, I just, uh, the, the service this morning has ministered to me so much. And um, that last song, so precious. But um, I'm made to think that sometimes when we come to a place of peace in our life, it's often through the, through the um, path of turmoil. Um, Nita was reminding me of a lady that we met, I think it was in Pennsylvania, a number of years back at a show. And uh, she says, um, this Amish lady is an unusual Amish lady. And um, she told me this morning, she said, this lady just glowed from head to, fit, head to foot. She was in the, um, she was in the school at the Nickel Mine shooting. One of her sisters was killed. One of her sisters was um, injured as a life, injured for life. She's now an invalid. Peace does not always come through positive circumstances. Sometimes peace comes in spite of struggle. Because you cannot understand the greatness of God until you, you go through the the um, difficulties that life brings. Because like Paul said, it says, when I'm weak, then am I strong. That's where it is. Well, I don't think that's what I'm going to preach about this morning. <clears throat> Maybe you'll disagree by the time I get done. I don't know. I hadn't tied them together anyway. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and I'd like to take you down to verse 28. <clears throat> and the last half says that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I think that should be the goal and uh, the vision of every pastor for his flock. It should be the vision of parents for their children of Sunday school teachers for their students, and the list goes on and on and on. All those people that you are responsible to, that should be the, the basic goal, is that, that we are working in the area of presenting every person perfect before God. <clears throat> so what makes this perfection... If you go back just another verse, he talks about which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. So Christ is what brings that perfection. And the question is, who then is he presenting? Who are we to present every man to? Those that God brings into our life. <clears throat> and I would like to take you just for a moment to 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2. He says... For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, 
for I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So the goal is to present every man perfect to Jesus. Oh, and, and I, I missed the last part of that verse. I've referred to it in, in before, but it's also contained right in that statement that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So basically we're understanding as we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus to Christ Jesus, right? All right. So then I pondered, it was like, well, how does Paul suggest we do that? That's great to say. And but if you're going to do it, you've you got to have a plan. Well, first of all, though, before we have a plan, what does it look like? So let's go back in the chapter to verse 10, and let's start looking at what it looks like. <clears throat> and I would like to look, first of all, what does perfection in Jesus look like in a practical way? Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father. And I'd like to stop there because that is the end of the list as I, as I see it. Um, I'd like to look at these, these different qualifications. To walk worthy, to walk a worthy walk, pleasing Jesus, bearing fruit, Growing in the knowledge of God, being strong in spirit, enduring and patient and joyful and thankful. That's what I'm seeing there in those verses. So first of all, a worthy walk. What is a worthy walk? Well, I'm not going to give you a whole sermon on that one, but I'd like to just refer you to a couple of passages. Chapter, uh, Romans chapter 4 talks about walking in the steps of faith like Abraham. Chapter 6 talks about walking in newness of life. Romans 8 talks about walking after the Spirit. Romans 13 talks about walking honestly. And now if you go to 1 Corinthians 3, Paul chides them for their walk because it's in envy and strife and divisions. And um, so it, one of the, a, a perfect man has a worthy walk. A, a worthy man um, also is pleasing Jesus. And Ephesians 6, 8, and uh, 10 speaks to both of those. It says, walk as children of light, testing and proving what is pleasing to the Lord. Testing and proving what is pleasing to the Lord. Hebrews 13, 20, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everla everlasting covenant, make you complete. And I think making you complete is the same thing as perfect. Because I think that's the concept of, of per perfect is, is being complete. <clears throat> Make you perfect or complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> and you notice that his, his blessing is calling for God to make them perfect. Not telling them to bring themselves up by their own bootstraps. Okay, so that's that's an important concept to uh, to keep a hold of. So walking worthy, pleasing Jesus, bearing fruit. John 15. 
Jesus says, I've called you that you bear fruit. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so will you will be my disciples. And verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. A, a perfect man, a complete man, a... Um, a um, Yes, those are the words, perfect and complete, or as one that walks worthy, has a worthy walk that pleases Jesus and that bears fruit. And what is fruit? Isn't, isn't that what we find in the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Um, I think that's, that's what the Bible calls good fruit, fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> And growing in the knowledge of God. Proverbs tells us that we are to search for knowledge. For the knowledge of God as for his hid treasure. Or for wisdom as for hid treasure. And the result, he says, is going to be the knowledge of God. Hosea reminds us that it was the lack of knowing God that caused um, people to do evil to their fellow man. And in chapter 4, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And in chapter 6, God, God tells him, I want you to know me. He says, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. So basically he's saying, for I desired the knowledge of God. I desired for you to know me more than I desired your offerings. And you know, as people, we... We so often want to bring stuff to God. We want to do this for God. We want to act this way, which we think is acceptable to God. And that's not bad. But God wants us to first of all know Him. Because it is in knowing Him that the things that God really wants come... Well, I say the things really wants. That's what He really wants. But it's the fruits of that that come out of knowing God. God's basically saying, I don't want you to just do the right things. I want you to know me. And Paul, in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, he mourns that although Israel has a zeal for God, it was off track because it was not a result of knowing God. Now, uh, turn with me for just a moment. Keep your finger in Colossians 1, but turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. I would just like to look at a passage there. And uh, we're going to start. Uh, I think we're going to start in verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's where I want you to catch it. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. See, knowing God is, is, is the thing that brings, brings to life. Try to say that. 
I, I, I believe that as we know God, it brings life into our life. I'll say it that way. Strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. Back in, Ephi- in, uh, in Colossians 1. <clears throat> Strengthened with all might, it says here. I think that's the same concept of being strong in spirit. Um, the, uh, the Greek gives the, is, is, uh, is sort of like this, is the uh, dunamo with dunamis. And basically what it means is that, is that you're empowered with, a, with inherent power. That power that resides in you by virtue of its nature. So is that, and is that power naturally in you? No. So it has to come from somewhere. Where does it come from? It comes from the Spirit of God. And so his, his prayer is that you and they would be empowered with the inherent power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. I wonder if that's the same thing he was talking about when he talks about Jesus um, and John the Baptist when, when they uh, were growing up. Um, I think it says they were strong in spirit. They were strong in spirit. I wonder if that's the same thing, perhaps. Joyful and thankful. I'm sorry, missed the one. Enduring and patient. Um, the, the word... Um, Sorry. What does it say here? And to all patience and long suffering. No? Yes, patience and long suffering. Patience and long suffering. The the word patient there is gives the idea of cheerful, hopeful endurance. Um, it's translated enduring. Or patient continuance. This word is often associated with persecution and trouble. And it's, it's sort of like sticking to the fight when you really want to throw in the towel. Patient, long-suffering. The, the concept there is fortitude, forbearance, not quick-tempered. It's often used in the long-suffering of God towards sinners. And it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. The concept is slowness in avenging wrongs. So he calls us to patient long-suffering or enduring and patient. Might be better terms. (coughs) Joyful and thankful. And I think that these are, are the most amazing, particularly when life is serving us lemons. Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4 says, I'm exceedingly joyful in all my tribulation. (laughs) Does that amaze you? It amazes me. I'm exceeding joyful in all my tribulation. Joyful. 
joy, it's, it's what the wise men had when they saw the, store, saw the star, except uh, theirs was a, um, if, if we look at the Greek words, it gives you the idea of a violent mega joy, um, as the words we have in the King James are exceeding great joy. Um, and the first word actually means violent. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, you can take that, but there are a lot of times that joy in the uh, in the New Testament is preceded by another word. So not as uh, and many times I thought at first, but uh, what is joy? I will say this: joy, spirit-filled joy, is not dependent on positive circumstances. In fact. It seems like the spirit-filled joy, the kind you can see, often comes out of difficulty. It comes out of coming through the difficulty and coming out on the other side. When we come to a place that we realize that, that, that it doesn't matter what happens in life, that God is always there. When we see that God works for good, those things that to us seem wrong. And when we come on the aisle on the other side of the woods and we see God for who he really is and we realize that the things of life that seem to us to be so traumatic and troubling are only small blips on the screen of life. Jeff Sonia has been uh, writing a little blog about her, her work at uh, Faith Mission Home. And uh, I, was, uh, I was comforted and challenged a bit last night as I was reading that. She talked about how one of the residents who doesn't have the full mind capacity was just all worried about a number of things. And she, she told him, said, you don't need to worry about the staff will handle that. And she commented, how much is that like us in life? When we have these big problems and we bring them to God and we say, God, what am I going to do? I need answers about this. And God, don't worry about it. I've got that. You don't need to stress yourself about it. Let me handle it. Do we trust God that way? And I think as we learn to trust, then joy can come. Thankfulness, I don't think, is dependent on positive circumstances either. I've often been challenged with the story of Otto Koning when he was going through the jungle and he ran into this nest of bees and they stung him all over. And he thought he was going to die. And they, they took him to the village he was headed to and he's laying in the tent just miserable. And he says, Lord, why? Why? And God says, thank me. Thank me. He says, God. How am I supposed to thank you like this? But he did. And I don't remember the details of that story, but out of that, out of that came, he had been praying for years for a certain, for a certain village that was just impossible to reach. 
But there was a series of circumstances that happened because of that situation that opened up that entire village to the gospel. We never know. We never know the result of the, of the trauma that we are facing in life. We don't know it. God sees it, but we don't. And God asks us to be thankful before he shows us the answer. Do you understand that? I don't either. But rejoicing and thankfulness and adversity opens the mighty power of God in the situations in our lives that we look at and say these are impossible. So we've analyzed what a perfected man looks like, but the question is, how do you get there? How do you take somebody else there? I like to tell you, this is where the answer is, okay? It's not up here. If you look forward up there, you're going to be messed up like a lot of people are. But this is where the answer is, and let's go on and find the answer in the passage. And I would like to read the first eight verses of Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and to Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ, which are Colossae, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth, before and the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto you your, uh, I'm sorry, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. Now I'd like you to notice, first of all, the qualities that came into their lives as a result of the gospel. But first of all, I'd like to tell you that I believe it is the gospel that carries the secret to pre presenting every man perfect in Christ. You'll notice that uh, in verse um, 5. In fact, I'm going to turn in another version to that. If I can bring it up here, and I think I can. Uh, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we heard about your faith in, G in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, springing from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven that you already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. Okay, so the gospel was a source of hope. Hope is a source of, of faith and love. So we find the faith and love being, uh, being that which is, is springing out of their life of Christ that comes as a result of, of their hope, their hope of glory, and that comes as a result 
of the gospel. So when we get right down to the bottom, it is the gospel that is the source of everything that we've been looking for. You see, the faith in the Lord Jesus is the foundation of our belief, is the basis for our forgiveness and for our relationship with God, is our source of life. Our love for the brothers and sisters is, is a, both a natural result of our faith in Christ Jesus, and I'm going to say it's also a personal choice. So is, so is following the Lord. You see, if you turn to um, Romans, I think it is, chapter 10, we talked about how, how that um, Paul was lamenting the fact that they have a, a um, chapter 10, verse 2, I bear them record, that is Israel, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So what I, what I want to bring to you this morning is that the righteousness of God needs to be submitted to. And so when God calls you and moves you in a direction, you need to submit to that. Because that submission to the, to, to the call of God is what faith is. In part at least. These, these come from a hope of heaven, a continuing city, a place of perfect peace and joy, a perfect oneness with God, where the struggle of sin and the flesh and the devil are over. And this is what we call the truth of the gospel. And so I will submit to you that the gospel, when it's properly understood and received in faith, brings forth fruit. which you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you over all the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood the grace of God. And so when you truly understand the grace of God, the gospel, it will change you. And so will it change everyone who you teach the gospel to. It is what Paul prayed for. We'll see that in verse uh, 7. Um, I'm sorry, not 7. Earlier, I think he says, we pray for you. Um, but verse 7 is, uh, is what Epaphras taught. And what Paul prayed for. And what the Holy Spirit enlightened. Verse uh, 7. Did we read verse 7? Yes. Um, who informed us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 8. For 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. And it goes on into the, the fruit of the gospel that we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> so I would like to, to tell you this morning that the gospel properly understood and taught and responded to 
is the source of all that we are designed to accomplish in the church. We want a worthy walk. We want people to please Jesus. We want them to bear fruit. We want them to know God in an increasing way. We want to see the spirit power resulting in spirit fruit and righteousness. And Paul says that comes through the gospel. So how did Paul bring, practice bringing men and women to the perfection that pleased God? He preached and he taught the gospel. We saw that in verse 6. We also see that in verse 28, the first, first verse. We talked about whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. What did he teach and he preached? He taught the gospel. <clears throat> he taught the gospel that declares that... Uh, that Jesus is the means to a restored relationship with God. That Jesus bore our sins and he suffered the death that should have been ours. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live to righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. And that he rose again and by it he was declared to be the son of God with power. And that his resurrection provides the power to walk in a new life. So he preached and he taught the gospel. He prayed that they'd be filled with the knowledge of God. Because through the knowledge of God, through knowing God, it's, it's the fruits of righteousness are brought forth in the lives of men. So you want these things to be alive in your life. Meditate on the gospel. Someone said, I preach the gospel to myself every day. And I'll admit to you, I haven't done that. The gospel, if I look back on my 10 plus years of ministry, has been one of the worst neglected areas of my teaching. Only in the last several years I'm beginning to understand how important the gospel and the message of the gospel is to the life of the believer. And so often as we try to live Christian life without the gospel, we are like a person getting out and trying to push their car up the hill instead of filling it up with gas. It doesn't work. Let's read. Let's go back to Colossians. And I'd like to read the rest of the passage. <clears throat> Starting in verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord and tall, pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet or worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. Stop there for a moment. What did I just read? How can God make you worthy to be part of this heavenly kingdom? How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Except in the gospel. <clears throat> I'd like you to notice three things as we read this passage that the gospel does. 
and there's probably more, but I want you to notice these three. Verse 13, which we're about to read, it delivers us from darkness and makes us a part of his heavenly kingdom. Number two, and verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 19, it reconciles us to God. And number three, and verse 22, we are presented holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now let's read. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us, that is, he's moved us from one to another, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him, that is Jesus, we are were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That is, all things hold together. He's what holds the atom in place. Otherwise, it would blow up or go to nothing or something. But the, God is the power behind everything in nature that holds things together and makes them run. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence or might be number one. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things into himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in, in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I want you to get that. He has reconciled you to God by his blood. That is what the gospel does. Yet now is he reconciled, verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unbelievable and unreprovable in his sight. Whose sight? Whose sight? God's sight. How can you be that way? He doesn't say you're holy and unblameable, does he? He says you're holy and unblameable in his sight. There's a plenty of blame that can go around. You don't have to look very far. You can look in your own life, and if you're honest, you can find plenty of blame. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to clean those things up and change you. He talks about being changed into, into his image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. And that's true. But first of all, you have to understand that you are, that you are, what does it say? Holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That is, God doesn't find anything wrong with you. How can that be? Through the blood of his cross. When Jesus took all your stuff and took it up there and put it on the cross. Now there's a qualification what is it?
What do you do? If you continue in the faith, what is faith? Faith is believing what Jesus did, right? Remember what Jesus told the people? He said, what is the work of God? Jesus says, the work of God is that you believe on him whom he has sent. Because if you don't get that right, you don't got nothing right. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What are we to hang on to? The hope of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again for you, according to the scripture. That's what the gospel is. Because when you get a hold of it, it changes your life. As long as you keep trying to please God by your own stuff, you'll never make it. You're going to be frustrated. You'll never be full of life. But when you, but when you accept the fact that you can't, and that he did, and you put your trust in that, it will change your life. And you will begin to be changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. What is the mystery? It's the gospel. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't, they, they, didn't, they didn't understand what all those sacrifices were, what it was all pointing forward to. It was a mystery. <clears throat> but it is now made manifest, or we've now showed it to you, um, to his saints, to whom God would make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And what is the mystery? It's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Again, that's the gospel. Whom we preach, that is, we preach Jesus, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I would just like to remind you that trying to walk with these graces or in these graces without the comprehension of the atoning work of Jesus and the power that comes through his death and his resurrection is a life of frustration. But as we understand the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, we will be filled with all the fullness of God. And we must continue in the hope of the gospel. He says, if you continue in the hope of the gospel. That is, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your faith on his blood. Keep your, keep your sights on what he did for you. And let what you do for him flow out of that. 
That is the source of holiness, the hope in the gospel. It's all about Jesus. You know, there was a reason that, uh, that Men of Simon's favorite verse was, Other foundation can no man lay. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Sorry for the interruption. I keep forgetting that's there. There is no other foundation to lay. There is no other foundation to build your life on, your church on, your ministry on. Anything that you have, if you don't build it on Jesus, it's not going to mount to anything. It's what Paul preached. It's what brought forth fruit. It will bring forth fruit in your lives, and it will bring forth fruit in the lives of those that you serve. God bless you. Let's have a song.